All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your host. Guys, we have a very special episode for you today. Not only is it Seduce Me at Sunrise by Lisa Claypass, which is truly a gem of a book, um, but we have a very special guest uh, author, Kate Claiborne, is here with us. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi. I'm, Hi I am thrilled to be here. I have been a listener since the very first episode. Oh, wow. Oh, we appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, that's Big so fan. sweet of you. Yeah. Um, awesome. So you have a new book out. Now, like just like last week it's a baby I do book. on on new year's eve it's a it's a brand new it's a new year's eve baby brand new oh um yeah and so it's called love lettering yes um why don't you let us know a little bit about it um so love lettering is a contemporary romance it's a standalone and the book is about um this woman, Meg, who works in Brooklyn, she is a very accomplished <laughs> uh, hand letterer, and um, she designs sort of like custom planners uh, and calendars for people, but she also at one time was in the wedding business and would design people's invitations and wedding programs. Uh, but she has this very bad habit of sometimes hiding little messages in the work that she does. Um, and so one day when she's working, a former client finds her and, um, he is the groom from one of the weddings that she did. And he finds that she wrote a sort of secret message in the program for his wedding, uh, that he called off. And so he comes to find her and ask her why, um, his, his wedding didn't work out. Um, and so they start up a friendship and, eventually much more. And so it's a book about art and New York and love, and I'm very proud of it. I'm very happy it's out there. Yeah. Um, I'm halfway through it, and I am in love with it so far. I already told you that. Oh, but I'm so glad. It yeah, it's so I'm good. I'm so glad to hear it. Um, and what I love, too, is it like it captures New York and Brooklyn so beautifully. But you have you ever lived in New York? The greatest I have not. World? I have not oh. ever lived in New York, but I love New York. Um, and I spent so much time in New York when I was getting ready to write the book. So I just walked and walked and walked. Um, and what was interesting was part of the time that I was there, I was there with my husband, um, who is really overwhelmed by uh, big cities. <laughs> and so we actually had some interesting experiences, like walking around and doing some of the same walks that Megan Reed do in the book. Um, and I, I don't know, I think researching the book in the way that I did, um, so I was focusing on these old signs in New York, it actually really, it sort of changed the entire way I think about the city. Um, and so I, I love doing it, and I feel like my relationship to the city is different forever now because of it. Wow. So this is a must-read for me because all I do is walk around New York. That's it's just the best my, place to walk, isn't it? It's so great, yeah. So it takes place in Brooklyn mostly? Um, no, not just in Brooklyn. They also do quite a lot of um, walks in Manhattan because that's where he works as well. And so they kind of go to different neighborhoods, and so the way I sort of structured the book was thinking about um, these different neighborhoods in New York City and the kinds of signs that you can see in those neighborhoods, these old uh, hand-painted signs that are on the sides of buildings. 
Um, and so I think if you, if you know New York, like you guys do, you probably like some of the things you might even recognize, or, um, you might be able to look up and see some of the signs that I reference. Um, so yeah, it was really, it was really cool to do. That sounds awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to read it because I love little, those little, like you said, painted signs or just weird uh, things that you can find walking around that you never noticed before. If you just look yeah. up or to the side or something like that, you'll find weird things. And it's always so interesting, the history that this place has that's hidden. Yeah. And it's just like, la- I mean, the ghost signs are really interesting too, because there's often sort of layers upon layers of history there. So you will see, you know, s- uh, slightly less paint, uh, faded painted signs over others. It's really cool. And you can see, like when you're in the garment district, for example, it's easy to forget when you're in the garment district what the history of that district was. But when you look up and you see all these painted signs for, um, you know, underwear makers or children's clothing makers or hat makers or things like that, you just have this whole different perspective of what this place was at one time. Um, and so it was really cool. I think, um, I had to be careful not to like, not to overdo it about that. (laughs) Just (laughs) make it a guidebook all the time. I think at one point I was like, okay, no one cares about. (laughs) I care. I care deeply. We should care deeply. (laughs) I should do a special edition for Clayton. Yes. Oh my, he would love it. It It's just just walking. Yeah. It's just a guidebook with a few sex scenes in between. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Every once in a while. I do think chapters. Oh yeah. yeah. As I was reading it, I was like, this is a book for Clayton. Oh, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it hundred percent. I hope you love it. Well, congratulations on that. That's thank you. It seems like such a labor of love and now it's out in the world, which I'm sure is terrifying, but, um, it's really, really a beautiful book and you should be like so proud and excited. So, Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And we're going to link it in the show notes. Definitely. Oh, Mm -hmm. good. Good. So check out the show notes if you want to buy it. Uh, but so, Kate, we're getting along very well right now. Right. And but we're I about don't want to change. I don't want to ruin this, the good vibes. But so we did an episode about Virgin River, which is a Netflix series that had its first season, came out early December. We watched it and reviewed it for our tipsy episode. Yes. And uh, I had some words to say about Charmaine, who is a character <laughs> in the show. Yes. And you were a defender of Charmaine, as is Aaron. So I think I'm going to uh-huh. be, there's going to be a double team going on here against <laughs> me, which I'm okay with. <laughs> but I would just like, because I asked Aaron the same thing, uh, a few reasons why Charmaine is better than Mel. Okay. So you want me to is, give, give a list, maybe an accounting of, of why I am a I defender guess of Charmaine. The, the, yeah, so I guess the thing is we shouldn't <laughs> be pitting women against each other, obviously. So it's maybe not that. It's more why, why the love for Charmaine when she is a, a lovely character and a lovely woman. You're completely changing your whole vibe. No, now, no, no, no. No, listen, no listen, it's like Because you know Charmaine. <laughs> Well, because also the actress messaged us, which was very, very sweet, and she had some very nice things to say. But now we know she is listening. But I never Mel said, hasn't said shit to us. I never said anything <laughs> bad about the actor who plays Charmaine, no, who I think is a lovely person and does a great <laughs> job. Charmaine, the character, if uh, I, so, I'm going to let Kate talk because I'm yeah. already people already know how I feel about Charmaine. <laughs> Uh, she's a lovely side character, but should not be the main romantic interest for our main character. 
Okay, well, I, I support you there. I do not think okay. that Charmaine and Jack should be together because I think Charmaine deserves better than Jack. And that's not, that's not to say that Jack and Mel shouldn't be together and they won't be a good match, but Jack did not do right by Charmaine, and I think she deserves better. One, she has a great set of cheekbones mm. and a great face-framing haircut. Charmaine absolutely knows how to work her assets. Two, Charmaine is really doing her best to support this emotionally unavailable man. And mm. even though he says to her that they had an arrangement, I feel like he was giving her different signals for much of that time. It's like even, what, what was it, like episode four, he like still sleeps with her. Like he, he almost acts like it's impossible for him to say no. Now, come on now. This is a grown man. True. Yeah. True. I mean, the thing, I do agree that Jack, uh, she deserves better than Jack because Jack doesn't love her. Right. And he never will. Right. Yeah. Even with... I felt that in my gut when you said that, even though these are not real characters. I was like, oh, man, he won't. <laughs> poor but, Charmaine. He's <laughs> I know, poor Charmaine. But he's, yeah, he acts like a fool. He doesn't set her straight when she, like, kisses him in public and everything. It's, it's yeah, he's so, not good enough for her. The, the, she brought the, the casserole. She was, like, she was, like, really, tr- you know, she was trying. And, like, I don't, I don't even blame <laughs> her for feeling a little threatened by Mel, right? Like, Mel is this, you know, very pretty strawberry blonde nurse practitioner. It's very threatening for Charmaine. <laughs> We're I all feel. a little nervous around nurse practitioners. I, 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 I do have to push back a little bit on the casserole <laughs> because it was a, a biscuit and gravy casserole to somebody who nearly or had a heart attack. And, and that, is, that is an act of, <laughs> of violence more than anything. Maybe it was low fat. Clayton, maybe it's, it was... It's so almost impossible to make that low fat. I mean, I guess it could be half the fat, which would still be more fat than you need for the day. And salt content, we're talking through the roof. So that's the one thing. I will say that you did make an excellent point about the casserole. Okay. During the last episode, I had not thought of that. I thought, that's a good point. I had not thought about that aspect. But I think Charmaine casserole. also didn't think of it. She was just like, what's a nice thing to do? Bring this casserole that everybody loves. But it's and then that, everyone shamed her so hard for it. But it's, it's that lack of attention to detail that might have been a reason why. I mean, here's the thing. There's no reason, there's no reason why Jack will all of a sudden love her. It's just not there. And, and that's, it is unfair to be with somebody who you don't love. If it's just a physical relationship, that's fine if both people are on the same page. And, and obviously Charmaine was not on the same page. So I can see Jack being the bad guy in that sense. Uh, but he did, I guess he didn't realize how much he could feel. And when he met Mel, he started feeling feelings he never felt before. So he was kind of trapped in the middle. But that does not mean that his behavior towards Charmaine is excused. No, he, I think he was kind of deluding himself there because he sort of pretended like, I thought she knew that we were just casual. But it's like, Jack, you, you knew she didn't think that. You just liked that you were getting regular sex. So yes. you didn't want to confront it. He was being ignorant uh, on purpose. Yeah. He, he, was, he was denying how he truly felt. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. And Charmaine did two years of emotional labor and work on him, I'm sure. That's true. To get yes. into a, a place where then nurse practitioner would be able, Mel would be able to uh, scoop him up. Well, she lulled him with high fat and salt content food where he was just <laughs> in a stupor and didn't really know what was going on. Because then all of a sudden Mel's here with vegetables and quinoa and, and, and stuff like that. And now his head's clear. <laughs> for the first time. For the first time. I yeah. think we now are we not... can really see those flashbacks. Before they were just all kind of muddy and 
Now he's really getting crisp, like he's getting quinoa. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Seventy millimeter. <laughs> war you know flashbacks. what? You have to admit that Charmaine is the most fashionable person in Virgin mm. River, and and it's almost like she is sort of shamed by the community for how much more fashionable she is. That it's is like, true. For Virgin River, she's definitely more fashionable. Uh, it's I guess it's not my aesthetic is the thing for me. But I mean, that's not You don't, you don't like an ankle boot. You don't like a, a nice <laughs> pair of bangs. No, I like a good pair of bangs. A well-fitting leather jacket. It turns I, you off. I, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'm more like my taste goes more towards like bohemian uh-huh so so my perfect uh style is like lisa bonet in like 1985 or something like oh, that gee, would be yeah. my, right so that's yeah. completely different <laughs> than charmaine's aesthetic which doesn't mean that she's not stylish she is but yeah. it's my, not my my what i like in like stylish a person yeah I hear but that. everybody Everybody else in, I mean, everybody else is wearing like, you know, flannels and mom jeans and stuff, but not even like cool mom jeans. <laughs> yeah. Not tutorial. Yeah. Yeah. You know um, what, Clayton? I do think it's fair to say Lisa Bonet is still today, though. Still. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Her style, she's a style icon forever. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think we're also saying that Charmaine should be with Jack. I think we recognize like Jack is below her and that she should be with somebody else. Yeah, like she needs like a, a like a hot tall man to come to Virgin River next season and sweep her off like her feet. A lumberjack or then I was like I think that she should go down to LA, start cutting hair, cut hair for some like super famous like celebrity hot dude and then they get together. And so, then she's riding an eye. So yeah. you either want a spin-off or you want a, them to leave Virgin River for her Side story. Yeah, and then just call it West Side. Let's call it Silver Lake. <laughs> I think it's asking a lot. It's just called Charmaine Goes to L.A. That's yeah. the show. Remember when <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt's character from Party of Five moved to New York? I completely no, I remember it. it. That was like the spinoff of yeah. Party of Five, and she was going to have her new life. So that's what you guys want for Charmaine, only yes. in L.A. Yeah. Or New York. I mean, I'm not going to say no to New York. And but. Kate, I'm so glad that you remember that reference because otherwise <laughs> that we would just have to cut that whole thing out. I really went on a limb and I appreciate that. No, I really do remember that. That What a great, what a great time in television that was. Oh, it was amazing. And then she had, she had her singing career too. And she was in these movies. She was going to be the next big thing. You know what? When she did have her singing career, also she got a haircut that was quite similar to Charmaine's current haircut. Mm. So I just really feel like it's all coming together. Now, one more thing before we get to what we're supposed to be talking about, which okay. is Seduce Me at Sunrise. Do you believe yeah. Charmaine's uh, baby is uh, real? Yes, Hashtag I believe. Hashtag show me the sonogram. Hashtag show me the, show me the sonogram. I'm trying to get that to trend. I do believe that Charmaine's baby is real. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I feel like if the show does something where she is... Like, I don't feel like the show wanted us to hate Charmaine. Like, I, I feel like the show, you know, I know we weren't supposed to root for her, but I, I don't think that they made her, like, vindictive or awful. Um, but I think if the show had her lying about the baby, that would be unforgivable in the context of the show be- because of all the stuff in the show about babies yes so i think it would be like if that is what happens i think that charmaine's character then becomes totally irredeemable in the context of the show 
Yeah, she definitely becomes the villain. And but I, the thing is, so it's either a fake pregnancy, or they're gonna have she's gonna have the baby because they can't have another miscarriage situation Me. on this show. It would just be too heartbreaking for everybody. Mm-hmm. And she's made clear that she wants the baby, right? She wants to keep the baby. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I I don't know. Maybe they're gonna be. Maybe they can be a modern family. I haven't read the books. I bet if I could just if I just read the books, I'd get all these questions answered. Yeah. I know there's probably people screaming, "Just read the books!" <laughs> no, this is more fun. This is way more fun. But again, so just to sum up, Charmaine, I think is is lovely. Don't think that she's perfect for Jack, which she's not, and we all agree on that. My surprise was just she seemed like such an ancillary character, and to have so many people come out and say that they loved her so much because I don't hate her. I just, I was confused at the amount of love for a character that's kind of seems on the side. Mm -hmm. Right. We felt a kinship with Charmaine. We really did. That's great. I mean, Netflix, if you're listening, (laughs) I mean, listen, spinoff is not a bad idea because I would 100% watch Charmaine in LA or New York. Yeah. Yeah. Cutting hair. Even Austin. Starting over. Yeah, starting over. She's too fashionable for Austin. Oh, I I think Austin's pretty fashionable, probably. <laughs> I don't You're think gonna, you know what, Austin yeah. listeners, Clayton supports you. Yes, yeah. I'm just saying I don't think Austin is an ankle boot leather jacket town. Okay, oh. I mean that's not. There's a lot of towns that aren't. It's producer okay. Patty's nodding like he knows. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see this, Kate. <laughs> I wish I could too. I wish I was there with y'all. <laughs> um. But shall we talk about the book? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Um, so we read Seduce Me at Sunrise by Lisa Claypass. It's number two in the Hathaway series. Before we get into it, let's judge the cover. So, Kate, what cover do you have? So I have a, the cover, with, which I think is a newer cover. It's a woman in a red dress. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see a little bit of her blonde hair, uh, which which is not the blonde that I picture for Wynn. Uh, and she's sort of reclining, and she has a fan um, against her hip, I think. Is that the one you that's, guys have? Yeah, that's the one we have, too. So this seems to be around the time where they cut off, cut off women's heads. heads on these. It was like the, the headless women uh, covers <laughs> were very popular. Yeah, it was right. the headless woman era. Yeah. Right. Which, I, I mean, I, I love this cover. I think it's sexy. It's, I agree. It doesn't really seem like Win to me, but I do still really love this cover. What were you picturing for Win's hair if it wasn't that? Because that looks like a pretty, like, standard blonde. Ooh, the step back. Oh, we I have don't, a step back. Tonight. I don't have a step back. Oh, or the, is there a clinch? Oh. Yeah. Well, Clayton um, bought all physical copies of all of the books. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's I, a completist for Clay Pass. Well, I yeah. ordered them from Thrift Books, which was great, because I'd rather have uh, the physical books than do the Kindle thing if I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're, this way, it's kind of recycling, because these are books that need a home, a loving yeah. home. Got they're it. They're going to look so nice on your shelf. Um, yeah, so in the, in the step back, it's them, like, embracing, but it does not look like Kev at all. He's too small. No, this guy does not look like yeah. Kev. Kev's a, he's Kev's like, a beast. Yeah, he's, like, two inches taller than Wynn. Oh, but I Wynn's, like Yeah, Wynn's, like, dress is coming down, her hair's up. I mean, a- attractive people, but just not Wynn and not Kev, so. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I'm, I'm, then I'm glad I'm not looking at it, I guess. <laughs> I, think, I think because in the book they talk about her, her hair is almost like sort of white blonde. Um, yeah. And that, when I first read the book, that really st- struck me because she's almost, I think particularly at the beginning of the book, she's almost like sort of ghostly-like. Um, and so like in my head, I always pictured her hair like very, very light. Um, but, you know, that... This is a book that imprinted on me when I first became a romance reader, so that might be why. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit, because, you know, to borrow parlance from Faded Mates, they're doing a read-along, and everyone want, uh, is supposed to announce the book that blooded them, and you put this book. So yeah. why don't you let us know a little bit about, like, your history of this book, how you came to it? So I read this book... Um, when I, not long after I first started reading romance, um, and the first romances I've ever, the first romances I ever read, and people have heard me talk about this before, are the, um, Jenny Cruzy contemporary romances. Mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of readers, you know, because I started with contemporaries, I was sort of like, I don't know if I'll like historicals. I'm not sure if like those will be, um, for me, I didn't really know anything about them. I think the first historicals I read um, were things I could get out of the library. And I got Seduce Me at Sunrise from the library. And it wasn't the first historical I read, but it, I mean, it knocked my socks off. Like, you know, I was like, who is this writing this? Um, And so once I read this book, I like read everything else by uh, Lisa Claypass. And I think it is... I really love this book. So you guys were talking about your kind of top clay pass hero- heroes and Kev is like in my top three. Ooh. So it's a big book for me. Yeah. I love it. Who are your top three? Well, Craven. Um, oh, gotta be. Yeah. I know. It'd be uh, ridiculous. <laughs> Craven, um, Kev and, uh, St. Vincent, which I know is controversial mm. for you guys. Um, Craven and St. Vincent in the top three together. Yeah. Well, We've talked about this recently that St. Vincent has grown on me. Mm-hmm. It was just really hard after, you know, he yes. tries to abduct somebody <laughs> and threaten to assault them yep. for me to get on board with him. But then when you when you see him uh, in Devil in Winter, when I read in Devil in Winter, I started to like him. And then the more I think back on that book, it's such a great book. And he, when he shows up in some of the other Wallflower things and some of the other Clay Pass books, I have, I have more affection for him, so I completely understand him being in somebody's, either their top or their top three or five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also, um, you know, so Seduce Me at Sunrise was the first Hathaway's book I ever read, um, and Devil in Winter was the first Wallflowers book I ever read. So, wow, so you just jump, you don't, you don't go by the rules. Well, you're just I, jumping, you're grabbing books. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, when I first started reading romance, I didn't know anybody else who read it and I was not really online. So I didn't, you know, I was just like getting stuff out of the library. Um, so I think that that might, I don't know if it would have been different if I, if I had read Lillian and Marcus's book first, it might've been. Um, Yeah. So that, that is interesting. I think it is, uh, when you read the, all the books together in a series, it does give you a different idea of the characters. Yes. And um, what I would say is that I think that this book is the first place I met Cam, too. So, mm. um, because I read this before I read The Wallflowers. 
Um, so anyway, Kev is, and, and beyond all that, Kev is exactly my kind of hero. So he just like suffers in (laughs) miserable longing the entire book. And that's my romance catnip. It's like a violent pining. Yes. So I think, I mean, so that is why this book is really, this book blooded me, but I cannot wait for Clayton to give his plot summary of this book. (laughs) Well, I'm going to try to keep it short because I always get hit for it being very specific at the beginning and then very, very just broad at the end. You just fall off. (laughs) I fall off a cliff. So... Since this is the second book, we've already, uh, and if you're reading along with us, listeners, you've you've already met these characters before, so there's not much setup that you need. But Kev Maripin is the hero of this book. He's lived with the Hathaways since he was little, and he was saved by them because he was abandoned by his Rom family. And Rom people are... They travel around. They don't have uh, homes. And usually... They're they, like nomads. They're nomads. They usually take care of their own. But for some reason, Kev was left for dead. Now, Kev has always had a thing for Wynn, who is the second oldest of the Hathaways. The no, third, third oldest, oldest, but the second oldest daughter. daughter. And she's been very... She was very sick. And while she was sick, Kev would help take care of her. And he also, she loved birds. And there was a window <laughs> that was, would get dirty. And he would go out and he would clean the window. See, I'm being very specific. You I'm being too specific. <laughs> I'm talking about cleaning windows. Okay. He took, he always loved Wynn. Wynn leaves to go get medical help to become healthier. And Kev doesn't want her to go. They actually kiss but then she has to go. He won't say he loves her. And she comes back later. She's looking better. She's healthy. But she's brought along the doctor that helped her, Dr. Harrow, who she has some interest in and he has some interest in her. So this drives Kev nuts. <laughs> and Kev will just cannot admit that he loves Wen and he won't say it to her. And then we get these all of these issues arise from that. Uh, but at the end, they end up. Happily ever after. Is that good? That yes. was good. Yeah, that Thank was good. Because <laughs> yeah, we can get I mean, into the washing windows if you guys want. Like, yeah, I think that was a the, good. The washing windows is a good representation of his miserable longing. Um, mm-hmm. That was good that you included that. Thank you. So, did um, you love it? <laughs> I know. Yeah. What did you think of it? I, I did. I liked it a lot. I will say the one thing about Kev is that he is so tortured. And I understand why, like, if that's your, if that's the, your catnip, that's great. For me, he was, I still loved him, and I loved how he, I mean, I, I love that he was Rom. I love his relationship with Cam that we figure out more about in this book. Oh, yeah. Which was not something that was a surprise. No. So the fact that they acted like it was such a big reveal, as soon as, as, soon as I knew they had the same tattoo in the, the book before, I was like, Oh, well, they're brothers. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> took, it took everybody else a long time to catch on. Although Wynn knew all along, she said. Yeah, because yeah. she could tell how they, they moved and the way they, you know, had yes. the same kind of mannerisms. But I guess it was his inability to say how he felt, even though she knew how he felt and he knew how she felt. That seemed so frustrating to me. 
But the only reason I think I feel that way is because when I look for a hero in these books, I want them to have positive things that I don't have myself. And when somebody is really withholding and holding back, that's something in myself that I don't admire. So when I see it reflected in a hero, it frustrates me instead of attracts me to them. I think that's the only oh, reason it. why I don't like Kev as much as Cam, because Cam, unless it's dealing with Amelia, is so free flowing and he's he has you know money just trick you know, comes flooding in, <laughs> which is something you want, yeah. which is what I want. Even in this book, he's trying to get rid of <laughs> some of his money and he's investing in a bicycle company. <laughs> a bicycle. And, yeah, he's in, <laughs> and it's like he's talking about oh it's never going to work, mm-hmm. center of gravity, all this stuff, and I know well he's going to be a, even richer than he is. That's the kind of thing I want. Where Kev, that tortured existence is not something that is attractive to me. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I mean, the book's yeah, great. I got it. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Aaron, you love it? <laughs> I love it. No, I have read this book so many times. I read the Hathaways uh, in order, but I think they, were the f- they weren't the first Clay Pass, but they were the first series that I read. Um, so I came upon this book after mine till midnight. So I had an inkling of sort of the way that this book was going to go. And something that I really love about this series is how well Lisa sets up the next couple within each book. You always sort of know where you're going Mm -hmm. and sort of planting things early. We got a lot of their backstory in mine till midnight. Um, the stuff about him taking care of her was in that book when she had scarlet fever. Uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, And making the Deadly Nightshade. Um, No, I absolutely love this book. I love how tortured and over-the-top Kev is. It's perfect. And I think Wynne is such a great heroine for him because, you know, she is so sickly and has spent so much of her life as an observer and on the outside looking in and not being able to participate in the world, which is the only thing that she wants. And then that completely on her own, she gets herself there she gets herself healthy she goes to France which is hard she leaves her family for two years and then comes back and really asks for what she wants with Kev he's not able to give it and then she sort of kind of tries to move on she's not going to waste her any part of her life and you really appreciate that part of her too and you know I love that every time also Kev is like overwrought with emotion to her she just sort of is like calm down dude like it's fine like yeah let's let's come on (laughs) yeah (laughs) um which I appreciate too because yeah yeah I really think that this book I think one of the reasons it really blew me away when I first read it is because the way that the way that Lisa structures it, I like how I call it. I, I mean, I call her Lisa. Like she's my close personal friend. I have never met her. Um, Listen, we've offered in to fact, create would, an amusement park for her. And she yeah. doesn't acknowledge us either. It's good. Yeah. In fact, I would probably die if I met her. Anyway. Um, know, it'd be way too much. I couldn't. <laughs> but at the beginning of the book, it's like all the early scenes that she writes between them are really good at kind of like mimicking who they become as adults so I think the when you first see the when you first see Kev when he first comes to the Hathaways and he is basically um you know he he feels like he's just full of sort of wildness and rage and he's so angry right he doesn't want to be there he just wants to get better and leave um 
he's like frustrated by all the things he doesn't understand and all these things. And then Wynn comes into the room and he's like completely enchanted by her and is desperate for her not to leave him. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he, he thinks that she's going to leave, he almost is sort of like rude to her and pushes her away. And it's like this little snapshot of what their entire relationship will be when they're adults as well. So he, he loves her so much, but he has never been taught how to love. He's never been taught that he's worthy of love. And so he keeps doing all these like, you know, awful things to reject her. And, and that continues into adulthood. And so their story is about kind of like breaking that pattern. And I think it's so smart how she sets it up. I, I think it's so beautifully written and, and well-crafted. Yeah, it starts with a bang, too, because I did not expect them to kiss within the first couple pages. I mean, I, I it, oh, yeah. it made sense because we had already met them. But then, yeah, his backstory, I, I, I loved learning about how he was raised to fight. And he, yeah, he, yeah. he had a really rough upbringing. And all he knew how to express himself with was physical violence. Because even when Wynn comes yeah. in, he hold, he grabs her pretty yes. tight and aggressively. And she does what she does, which says, it's okay, come mm-hmm. down. She's not scared. She yeah. just wants to calm him. And they've always had that kind of relationship. So the yeah. one thing is that it... So how old were they supposed to be when they first met? Do you guys know, like, how old was Kev when they found him? I imagine like 11 or 12. And Wynn is not, she's very close to his age. Yeah. Because they were little kids yeah, at I the beginning, so. were they? Yeah. So I thought like 12 or 13 around then. Yeah. yeah. And so we know in this book, after she comes back, she's 26, I think. Mm-hmm. So that would make him around that same age. So if he spent half yeah. his life being treated like a dog and then that other half being treated with kindness, you could, I know it's not his real family, so it's the real family thing being why he's so tortured, but there's, there seems to be enough time for him to start to understand that love could be a possibility for him. And I think we see that in this book, but there's so many times that he screws up. Like when he ruins her, uh, he gets caught, they get caught fiddling around. Fiddling around. Oh, yeah, and then, at the ball. Yeah, at yes. the ball. And then, and then Dr. Harrow comes and says, I'll marry her, it was me. And Oh, my God, this was heartbreaking, right? And Kev doesn't say anything. And he's in the oh, room. I know. Like, for me, that was almost, almost, and Lisa can always pull it back, almost a bridge too far. Right. Because you've got to take responsibility and you've got to just stand up. And also the fact that Cam is with Amelia, Cam is, you know, has more money than Kev and all these different things, but there's Rom is still allowed in this family. And and so that gives him more of a reason to be like, oh, this could actually work. Now, I know we would be missing out on some of the drama and the conflict in the book if he, if he did say it was me. Still, I just felt like Kev chickened out so badly in that moment that it, it made me upset. 
Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty, it's a, it, she goes really far there. And it, it comes like right after he gives her like at the, at the ball where they're like, uh, you know, she's confronting him and basically being like, you have to, qu- you know, quit interrupting everything and quit scaring all these guys away. And then he gives her this speech, which I know Aaron loves this speech too, where he's yeah. like, it's hell loving you. It's so awful. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you like, fires of hell could burn for a hundred years, and it wouldn't equal how I feel for you in one minute. Yeah, so over the top. Yes, he's yeah. intense. Yeah, yeah he's, he's so intense. And and you think like, okay, like the dam has broken, and he's gonna like he's finally gonna sort of see it, right? And then this awful thing happens. He basically abandons her, and then there's like these this series of scenes that I think is so are so emotional like when she goes back to the house and sees the wallpaper he's put in her bedroom Mm. like all these things that he he has done to show his love to her but he just can't like take that that next step and then of course he he goes off and gets drunk and that's really a great favorite scene too um and then he kidnaps her which is another favorite scene yeah well, that's that's the that's the rom wedding uh, yes, ceremony, right? The ritual. Part of it is the ritual is is, is kidnapping somebody. Because <laughs> yeah. when he starts tying her up, I'm like, where is this going now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, obviously, I I I love Kev, and I want I wanted him to be with Win the whole time, and we wouldn't have a book if there wasn't these roadblocks. But yeah, he, that was the one thing is that his, his total inability to say how much he cared for her until the very end was a little too frustrating for complete enjoyment. Yeah, that was almost too much for you. Yeah. I think I kind of understand it, though, too, because um, not only so he was like taught to fight as a child, but like anytime he expressed any sympathy or feeling bad for the person that he had to beat up, that then he would also get beaten like that had to get come out of him um mm-hmm. and i think he does learn how to live within a family structure he obviously like cares for like poppy and beatrix and um amelia like very deeply and i think shows that in, in yeah. like a very brotherly way um obviously with when it's never been that way um so i i do understand that then him having these intense feelings that also he's not been able to express for a decade would feel so overwhelming and so big because it's like the thing that you don't express and the thing that you try to hide is the thing that just grows and grows and grows. So I like the fires of hell um, speech is like uh, phenomenal, but it's also like so over the top and that's not how anyone could actually feel that I understand his fear of then putting that on when somebody who he still views as like a sickly person who needs to be taken care of. He doesn't also really want to see her as the woman she is now until the end of the book. Um, so I, I agree that him not speaking up for her is like almost unforgivable, but I was disappointed in him, but I didn't, but I, un- I understood where he was coming from. For the fact that he did that, you eventually forgave him because he didn't, after he didn't say anything. Yeah. Well, then he's just sort of, yeah, that he just goes away from everything and does like get drunk and start like he immediately, his response to that is to like go get drunk and then just start indiscriminately fighting people, <laughs> which is like such a return to who he was as a child. And I think, you know, 
it's ama- like that Leo comes and is the one to bail him out and they have a brotherly relationship um, is really fantastic as well. And then as far as like with Cam, it's like Kev always really didn't like Cam and really tried to push Cam out of the family and doesn't like that Amelia and Cam are, not that he doesn't like that they're together, but like there is a bit of like roughness there in that relationship. Uh, but I think that is because of how much he loves Wynn, where he's like, well, what was standing in between me having Wynn was that, I'm Rom and she's not. And then he sees, oh, well, actually, that isn't really an obstacle. But then he gets mad at that because he's like, well, now you're doing something I didn't think I could do. It's messed up logic. But it's like I get then why he had so much animosity for Cam. And Cam just doesn't care, which is why we love Cam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you guys like like that Leo is the one who who goes to him in, in the jail and kind of like, gives him the talk that finally sort of makes him come to his senses. I, I like that because Leah was the character I liked the least in the last book. But yeah. again, like Lisa can do, if I had read just this book and not the first one, I would have loved Leo immediately Yes, because yes. she redeems him so well in this, in yeah. this book in a way I didn't think she could, but of course she can because she always does. <laughs> I always do this because to myself. Because it's Lisa. Yeah. it's Lisa. So I thought that was so fitting because so many times they had to go down and get him out of the cooler and they had to, you know, deal with his drunkenness and all that. And him saying, this is going to kill you if you let it. And if you yeah. don't, you have the chance to be with Wen. And the one thing that he had with Laura, who is the woman who passed away that he loved, is that he said, I spent every second I could with her until she died. And I, I did that because I had courage and you are being a coward right now and you need yes. to do the same thing with Wynn. And I love that. And it made me like Leo so much more. Also, he did go to France too with Wynn and he got tight and looking good. <laughs> yeah. He's using looking a lot good. of French creams and stuff, you know. Uh, so I think he knows what's he, what. Yeah, so I think he was more, to me, put together and stepped up yeah. to the place in his family he needed to be. I I love how in that scene too, when after he gets done talking to Kev, he's like, he tells the guard, he's like, just give me a give me a five minute head start. <laughs> yeah. um, I one of the things I love about the book is how everybody is like, like Cam too will will have to go talk to Kev about something, and he'll be like, oh God help me, like yeah. he's, he's gonna beat me, like. <laughs> You know, like I'm a dusty carpet or something like that. They all are like, I, I love the way the whole, the whole sort of all the other men in the book relate to Kev. I think it's so funny. They're all physically afraid of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of his physicality. So one of the reasons where we haven't talked about with why he doesn't think he can be with Wynn is because he thinks that he's going to kill her with his peen. Yeah, he's yeah. going to fuck fa- her it's a favorite. It's a favorite trope. It's a favorite trope. <laughs> He really believes that she will not be able to handle him. Yeah. Whether he's going to be too uh, aggressive for her, but also just that the doctor that she's with, Dr. Hara, who is a bad doctor, yeah, says that she won't be able to have kids. Yeah. And I- then we have this misunderstanding where she says she went to other doctors and they said it was fine, but she lied. Yeah, it's not yeah. a misunderstanding. That's a lie. Well, because yeah. at first I thought, oh, because I knew I not I knew the doctor was the bad guy. I just yeah. knew he was a bad guy, and 
when Simon I found out. Simon knew. What's up? Simon Hunt knew. Oh, yeah, immediately. Oh, Simon Ooh. knew immediately. Yeah. And because he said that he had a little bit, of, he spilled a little bit of the tea about <laughs> how the doctor's ex wife had died in a mysterious way. Not ex wife, like wife. Well, I mean, deceased wife. Yeah. yeah. They're not married anymore because she's dead. Yeah, but you're, you don't call somebody if their, your wife dies. You don't call her your ex-wife. Well, people deal with grief different ways. <laughs> my wife died. Maybe she'd be my ex-wife. And maybe for him, it's the same way. He seems like the kind of guy to be like my ex-wife. It helps, it helps me cope to call her my ex-wife. It helps ex-wife. me cope, yeah. Uh, it was a conscious uncoupling, I can say. They're no, consciously what? uncoupled. She lost consciousness. She was unconsciously uncoupled from him. Yeah. So, so anyway, so where was I? He killed his wife. Yeah. We know this now. Yeah. And I thought for sure that he, when he tells Kev that Wynn lied to him about going to other doctors, I thought, there we go. He's lying. The doctor's lying. But it turns out Wynn is lying. Yeah. And that was a huge surprise for me. So I understood why Kev would be upset about that. Yeah, because yeah, Kev also thought, to- he thought his mother died giving birth to him that that wasn't that didn't end up being true but that's what he had been raised to think was that his mother had died giving birth to him and he basically thinks that's what will happen to win and i mean to be fair she has been really ill her whole life right um Uh but yeah he's like he's obsessed with that idea and then also as you say he thinks he's gonna basically break her in half with his penis yeah (laughs) again favorite trope has any romance ever ended with? <laughs> it was just like it wouldn't be a romance. No, it'd just be a love story. No, it's not a happily yeah, ever just after. Be like, it's called <laughs> my penis, my ex-wife. <laughs> so your ex-wife, what happened? <laughs> oh, I killed her with my peen. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, at least Kev eventually comes to his senses about yes. it all. Well, yeah, and I and like too that it was Leo to go and say like, "You think you're being noble." but you're being a coward. Like the noble thing would be to be with her. And that sort of like changes the way that Kev frame is able to frame the problem. Yes. And you, yeah. you have to, you have to imagine me, baby Kate. No, well, I wasn't really a baby, but baby romance reader, Kate reading this book, like an early historical romance for me and reading this scene where Kev, where Wynn wakes up and Kev is basically stuffing a gag in her mouth and tying her wrists. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he, like says, I think he like takes the ring off of her and says, you're mine. And I was like, wow, I really like this a lot. And I'm going to need yeah. to think about later. <laughs> I'm going to need to think about why. <laughs> but but yeah. that she was also so you knew in the moment she was so happy. It was yes. happening. Like she was so excited. So yes. it was never yeah. like a scary thing. Yes. Right. It was you, a consensual kidnapping. Right. <laughs> That's a good right. show. <laughs> But yeah, I, and I trip. get that's a thing, knowing that this was one of your firsts as a virgin. Yeah. I, I, I see how these, like for me, Derek Craven, how impactful he was for me as one of my first. Yeah. And if I would have read this earlier on, I do think Kev would have been higher on my list just because of the passion and stuff like that, where I was, I mean, even though I've read... Uh, like 60 or so books now when he kidnapped her I was a little bit scandalized yeah it's a bit scandalous yeah 
because she was betrothed to another man, even though I don't like him. Yeah. And I know he's a murderer. But uh, <laughs> I still felt a little bit like, whoa, okay, he's really taking... And, and for Kev to do it, especially to finally be proactive about his love, was huge. And it needed yes. to be a big moment. Like, after everything, it couldn't be him just being like, coming into the parlor and be like, uh... Actually, I love you. Like, let's just get married. Yeah, I'm ready now. You know what I mean? It had to be such a big statement. Like, that is was basically a counterweight to the big fuck up that he did, which was not claiming her, was like really claiming her, dragging her yes. off to the game house. And they could not, like, because they had so many of those times where it was like he would kiss her and then push her away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, there was like so many different times that that happened. You knew that this time you were like, oh, this is, this is going to go down. Like a lot of times. That's how it has to happen now in this cottage. And it does. Oh, yes. They're in that cottage a long time. Yeah. And you get to see so much of it, which I appreciate too. <laughs> it's good uh, stuff. Oh, yeah. And then at the end, we have a little thrown in Cam getting poisoned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot in this book. See, I've reread this book, but I think I read it like chapters or I come in, I come out. There was a lot about this book that I forgot, and I completely forgot that portion. Oh, yeah. So like, Harlow turns into such, like, a like a mustache-twisting villain by the end. Yeah. Like, he means to poison Kev, but poisons Cam instead because Cam never has coffee, but one morning he has coffee. Yeah. And then... Uh, oh, he, like, falls apart in a field, and luckily, like... There's a, a Rom encampment, and they find him, and they bring him. It turns out he's related to everybody in the encampment. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot going on. Yeah. And oh. then the ferret steals the poison out of the the, the coat of the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they and have then, to chase. <laughs> oh, yeah. well. And then Wynn is going to set the – they put him in a wardrobe, and Wynn tries to set him on fire. <laughs> oh, I think it was Amelia, wasn't it? No, it was Wynn. It was Wynn. It was Wynn, yeah. Because they oh. were – everyone was like – Fuck, Wynn's ruthless. Because oh. she just, like, they get him in the wardrobe, and then everyone is like, tell us, tell us, tell us, and nobody will. So Wynn just takes up a lamp, pours oil all over it, and yeah. then lights it up. Yeah, she yeah. actually lights it. That's true. And then yeah, she's I like, love talk, that. fucker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. We're not going to let you out. Yeah, Wynn is, uh, Wynn has a mean streak. And I love that Leah was like, okay, so, like, once a year we're going to burn our house down. Is <laughs> that, like, yeah. what's happening now? <laughs> Leah's so funny now. He's I like so him good. so much. Yeah, he's so clever. Well, and then also, that's not even, that doesn't even... That doesn't even account for the fact that, you know, like when that's over and, and like Kev, they get Cam settled and everything. And Kev's like, okay, I, I love Wynn. Like, I'm going to be with her. I know there's risk. I'm going to be with her. And I'm like, oh, like this is the happily ever after. This is over. And then there's like a whole other thing with a secret inheritance. And then finally, then it's over. Which I didn't love or find necessary. I'm not a fan of secret inheritance. I don't think it was necessary here. Because then what happens is we know for sure, I mean, we knew before that they were brothers, Cam and Kev, but then Kev is the older brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he is going to inherit, uh, what is he, a lord now? He's an earl. He's an earl now. Because at first his grandfather was trying to kill him, but then the father, their father dies and there's nobody to take the Earl, like everybody in their kingdom, whatever it's called, will suffer <laughs> if yeah. somebody doesn't step in. And so it has to be uh, Kev. Like basically, so yeah. their father like legally married their mother and had children. But then their dad just like decided to leave his first wife, which is just like 
cool. And then married a different woman, but they only had daughters. And then he was trying to get rid of his the two sons he had with his first wife to like who are Cam and Kev. Who are Cam and Kev to like to like stop that line so they wouldn't have a claim so that his children his like basically his white children would then have it. But then he just had daughters. So then they like changed their mind and they're like, actually, it's not that bad. Like, let's well, get no, he fell there. off a horse and died. Oh yeah, and so then his <laughs> off screen, father... <laughs> their father that we never met fell off a horse and died, and then the grandfather, his father, yeah, uh, he was never good at riding horses. It's he so much in those last chapters, isn't it? It is. It, it, I, I mean, and like Claypass is a queen and can do no wrong and is amazing. But I, if there is a negative in this book, I do think it's it's that bizarro ending where so much happens to get him to be the Earl of Cavan. Yeah, yes. I feel like I read the end, the part where after they rescue Cam and they go back to the house and everything's fine. And then I like, I'm like, okay, now straight to the epilogue. That's basically exactly. what I do. <laughs> Where Wynn has a baby. Yes. And Kev collapses with relief about it. Yeah. Oh, you could just feel it, how absolutely terrified he'd be that whole time. And it's funny because, well, we've already read, well, we won't, because we, we've read this, the, the book after this, and the pregnancy actually happens in that book, too. Mm-hmm. But I think they, Lisa made sure to have give Kev his happy ending in this book. Yeah. So everybody knew if they just read this book that Kev did not kill Wynn with his peen. We yeah. know definitively. With his seed. <laughs> yeah. It's really, seed, it yes. was in, we had to know it in order for the HEA to be yeah. complete. So speaking of seed, and I know that's kind of gross to say, but <laughs> there's a line when Leo talks to Kev in the clink. And he says, "Oh my you're God! I know exactly up, what you're going to say. You're going to exactly. wake up with sheets covered in tears and uh-huh. your seed, or something akin yeah. to that. No, literally that. And I was like, that's very descriptive. <laughs> and is he talking about wet dreams? Yes. Yeah. Okay, he's talking about just all he would have would be wet dreams. For because well, he, he would dream of Laura and like tr- be with her in his dreams, and then he would wake up." Sad because she knows she's dead and already he has already come yeah. in his dream. I, I felt oh, like it was weird. Servants. I thought it was romantic. It's Am romi- I gross? <laughs> no, uh, no, not at all. But I think it is weird to mention to another guy how your sheets are going to be soaked in tears is something that I would understand and be like, oh, you're right. I'm saying he's going to be like, yeah, and there's going to be like come everywhere too. <laughs> Just so you know, like, this is what's going to happen because this be is what happened to, to me. Break your <laughs> you know, in half. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Kev, as the audience for that particular speech, <laughs> like, I, I feel like Kev would have been like, what? <laughs> we don't TMI. do that. TMI. <laughs> Brother Leo. He would have said whatever TMI is in ROM. Well, yeah. <laughs> One thing I do think is really funny about Kev in this book is that he often will say things like, um, I've, I, now I forget the word that he sometimes uses for like people who are not Rom. I forget the word oh, that he gadjo? uses. Yeah, gadjo, I guess. And he'll, he'll often say like that, that's like a, that's a thing that like these stupid English people say. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. He's yeah. like constantly exasperated by the people around him. <laughs> by like platitudes and stuff. He's yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. 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 I love that. I love a grouchy hero. 
Oh, yeah. He's a grump and he just is ripping himself in two with pining. I don't yeah. know what else you want. But see, yeah. this makes me then look forward to seeing him more in other books because I think we got past now he's going to be happy. So he'll still have that curmudgeonliness that I like about him, but he'll be less, he'll be cooled down a bit, I think, which I On the like uh, self-flagellation. Yes. I think he'll still have that core personality, which I like, but be, Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, yeah, flagellating himself. Right. <laughs> and his sheets will be immaculate. <laughs> yeah, they're oh, yeah. clean. They're clean. He <laughs> doesn't need to cry or do the yeah. other. Yes. <laughs> so this is a great book. Great book. Yeah. And would you guys say, because you, have you both read all of the Hathaways? Yes. Yes. Okay. Would you say that this is probably your favorite of them? Yeah. This is probably my favorite Hathaways, but but saying that is like, I feel like that is trying to pick a favorite. I mean, I think every book that Lisa writes is really good, so yeah, I love them all. I have reread them all many times. Yeah. Well, that's what I like when we do these rereads, because it, it sort of happened with The Wallflowers, where I was like, oh, there was one book that I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't that great. I don't know. And then I read it. I was like, oh, actually, this is fucking fantastic. Like, I absolutely love this book. So... We've already read the next book for the podcast. And so I'm like, yeah, I thought this was going to be a snooze and it's not. And it was really amazing. So I think Kevin Wynn are like a couple that I love, but then I also love Amelia and I don't know. Yeah, I love them all. But I think, yeah, by like a hair, this is my favorite. Okay. Now here's the big question, the important question. Would you fuck them? (laughs) Kate, since you're the guest, we'll go with you first. I would 100% fuck Kev, but like if I could be win. Does that make sense? Like I feel like I don't want Absolutely. I don't want Kev to to fuck anybody else, right? Because like he mm-hmm. only loves win. So like if I could be win for a day, yes, 100%. Okay. Yeah. So th- see this is how we think about that too. So I'm glad that you went that went that way with it. Aaron, yeah. would you fuck But you know to win. Oh, yeah. What about if you were, what if you were Kev? Oh, if I was like in Kev. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I had to like think about it because I was, remember, I was like projecting myself onto these characters. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a weird question, but we ask it every episode. Yeah. And I yeah. like it. Okay. So, Aaron, would you? Yeah. 100% both. Well, I, yeah, I don't. I definitely like very attracted to Kev and I love that he's just like massive and brooding and all of those things. I don't know if I was like as sexually attracted to Win. Are you afraid you'd kill her with your peen? Yeah. <laughs> you My can say My ardor it. would be too much for her. <laughs> but like in a way that I thought like when they were describing Amelia, I was like, ooh, yeah, like she seems really cute. I think for Win, I didn't, I liked Win, but she's a little bit too frail. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I would say it's like I would want to have whatever experience those two are having in bed. I would want that. Yes. That's a great way to think of it. Yeah. Um, I would fuck Kev. I don't know if I could handle Kev. (laughs) He might kill me. Yeah. Break you in half. (laughs) Yeah, I think he might. Uh, And when, again, like that's how I feel about when is that she is a little too. I liked her emotionally. I liked her emotional capacity. But. There is something about that sickliness, even though it's gone and she's healthy again, uh, that would be very hard, I think, for me to, 
you know, if I didn't know about her being sick previously, I probably would. But knowing her past, I, it, I think it would be too too much. You know what win is to me? It's like you know how, like when you were in school or maybe at a job, you meet somebody and you're like, on paper, I should be friends with this girl because she's cool, we're into the same things, whatever. But it just never happens. There's like no spark between you of friendship or anything. And so you're just sort of like always a little bit awkward around each other. That's how I feel about Wynn. Like, I feel like any of the other sisters I would be getting along with really well and it would be having a lot of fun. And I feel like when there's just that little piece missing that I feel like we wouldn't really. Okay. I I think for me, it's like it has less to do with, I mean, like it doesn't maybe make any difference to me that she was ill when she was young or anything like that. It's more just that like I can't picture them with anyone else but each other, Mm -hmm. I guess. So I, although... It's not really fair to say I'm deeply attracted to Kev. Like he could, he except could, for you are, and it is. The truth. Yeah, he could a hundred percent kidnap me. I guess. So yeah, I need yeah. to think on it. <laughs> Should we do Goodreads list? Let's do Goodreads list. They are on a. This is book is on a ton of lists. This was on eight pages of lists. So okay, of course, oh my god, we're not going to read eight pages, but I've picked some. All right. So, favorite historical romance novels. Yes. 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 I've loved you for years. Of course. Yep. yep. Best romances with spinsters, wallflowers, or old maids. What? Yeah, I mean, she's not really a spinster at this point. I think she's like a spinster by default because she's definitely not a wallflower. Like, she never had a season. She could never participate, but she also is like 26, which I guess is apparently ancient. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think, Kate? On the list? Off the list? Um... It would not be, that would not be on my list. I don't see her as a spinster or a wallflower. Take it off the list. Yeah. It's a professional. This is a professional right here talking. So (laughs) what she says goes. Totally. Uh, Best romance, best romance books ever. I'd say, yeah. For me it is, yeah. Uh, So you love a bad boy or tortured hero? I mean. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely tortured, yeah. Not a bad boy. Uh, Best second chance romance. It's like second, third, fourth, fifth, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gentle giants in romance. Is I mean, gentle? is he gentle? <laughs> 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 I mean, we know he's giant, but he, I mean, I guess he can be gentle with Wynn, but a gentle giant, giant to me feels like he's always been a brute size-wise, but not brutish in his behavior, and he's been brutish in his behavior. Yeah, 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 totally. I don't think gentle giant. But the one scene that um, stands out to me is after Wynne and Leo have left for France, and Kev is a bear to everybody, and then he's sitting next to Beatrix at dinner, and he's grumpy, obviously, about something, and she just puts her hand on his hand and says, I miss them too. Oh, yeah, that's very sweet. Yeah, and he sort of is like, oh, she gets me. So in that way, I think I was like, you know, I think with the younger girls, he's very gentle and sweet, even but, though he just is constantly threatening to beat up whoever they yes. date. I yes. Mean, I mean, one sign of gentleness doesn't make a gentle giant, I feel oh, like. Okay. Kate, what do you think, on or off the list? For me, it's off the list. All right, take it off the list. All right. I'll contact Goodreads after this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We act like this is official. It's just like what one person. <laughs> I know, was. but still, this is <laughs> what's fun so about seriously. it. Character you most want to sleep with. Yeah. Yeah. Let's leave it on the list. 
dresses to die for. I think the dress on the cover is what they're talking about, and that's gorgeous. Oh. Huh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. I guess they also describe her white dress in quite a lot of detail at the ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, most possessive romantic men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The best of Le- Lisa Claypass, number two. So this is a uh, second list of the best of Claypass. So, of course, it's on here. I yeah. wonder why it didn't make the first list. I don't. But spoiler alert, a book coming up does make the first list. So. Oh. Oh. I don't know why there are two lists. Um, uh, bet, uh, servant, heroes, heroines, and romance. I guess Kev is kind of a, I mean, he is, he is in their employee, I guess, right? I don't think he is. He doesn't feel like a servant to me. I don't think, he doesn't feel like a, I mean, he's, a, he's their estate manager. I, I don't know that, I don't know. I didn't read him as a servant. Yeah, no. I don't think list. that they pay him like, a, like, I think if he needs something, then they just give it to him. Petty cash. Yeah, yeah. from the petty cash. <laughs> he just he takes doesn't, he doesn't want money. He hates money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. Rom. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, brainy genius romantic heroes. He's very smart. He's managerially, like logistically, he's brilliant. Uh, and his attention to detail is great. He but, also knows like all that Greek and yeah. But I, I don't think I don't think he like flaunts that in any way. No, and that's why I like him for it. Right. Because then he's able to turn around Stony, uh, not Stony Cross Park, uh, Ramsey the, Ramsey, Ramsey House. House. In like two years, yeah, that's a quick yeah. turn. And all those agricultural things and stuff. Like, I think he's very smart. Oh my god! Remember when he writes to Win about fertilizer? <laughs> that's the one letter <laughs> he so writes. Amazing. <laughs> yes, it's the only thing he writes to her. <laughs> in two years. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, romance in Ireland and or Irish heroes and heroines. So he's half Irish. We find out. But here's the thing, and this is, like, nitpicky and also, like, truly who cares, but I do. But it's, like, at that time, the Earl of Cavan wouldn't be considered Irish. He, he's British because Ireland was part of Britain, and he's also, as part of the aristocracy, like, you wouldn't be referring to him as Irish necessarily. So I found that strange that they were, like, the Irish temperament and all this stuff. But it's, like, uh, this is the guy that was, like, installed there by the king. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Me. Yeah. So yeah, Aaron, not, not paying much attention to the colonial history in Ireland there. Yeah. But. Which, you know what? It's fine, Clay Pass. I, you don't need to. Yes, right. But just, you know, for my, I, yeah, whatever. Because I studied it in you, college. I think I like, yeah. You had wow. to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's something I care about and most don't. So it's fine. Uh, petite heroine, big hero. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Favorite Duke-less historical romances. The, no, there's no Dukes, right? No Dukes, no. yeah. Hmm. Keep it on the list. Yeah, not even Marcus. Yeah, he, he doesn't show up. up at all. Simon's there. Uh, bad boys meet the virgins. Again, I, I, like, is he a bad boy? Uh, he's a violent boy, <laughs> but he's not, I think, bad. No, he's good. He's, he's definitely good. not a rake. He, no. It seems like he's maybe hired prostitutes, but as he makes clear, he always paid them well and was... You know, in, so. yeah, indifferent to them. I mean, he definitely hired prostitutes. Well, yeah. that was, we didn't even talk about the beginning scene where yeah. that's where, when she comes back from France and comes up to his room and he thinks it's a prostitute and she doesn't say anything until he, he starts 
going for it. Yeah. It was a very interesting scene too. She's like, maybe I should say something, but I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I bet, I bet young Kate was (laughs) into that scene. (laughs) Yeah. I, it was, um, I think my favorite part of that scene is after she leaves and he like falls to the ground in like total sick shame about himself because again it's like (laughs) hero suffering he does that a few times and every time it's gold (laughs) yeah Yeah, every time it works (laughs) and every time they kiss it's him being overcome by passion grabbing her kissing her and then pushing her away and running away i love i love it i was like again (laughs) um best ever historical romance we're interracial historical romance uh yeah. Because he's Rom. He's Rom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Tear jerker romance novels that jerked the tears right out of you. Any tears jerked? Kate. I don't cry very often when I read. So, no. But I trust that other people did. Yeah. I agree with that. I don't, it's, have you guys cried at any of the, any romance novels? Yeah, I'm sure I have. I, I maybe can only think of like one or two. I very rarely cry when reading. Yeah. I'm not much really of a crier. Either. I mean, unless like we're talking about the Rainbow Bridge or something, I'm oh, no. not much of a crier. Okay. I have a yeah. lot of shame about it. Sort of like Kev. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I cry constantly, so it's pretty easy. She's crying right now. Yeah. <laughs> She's very good at hiding it. I support you and I respect you and I envy you. <laughs> I cry when I'm like, I cry constantly to the point where I have to tell people like, uh, I'm crying, but that's not the emotion I'm feeling. So I'm going to need you to not stop paying attention to my tears. Uh, I'm actually just very snackish. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. a little peckish and I'm fully bawling. Okay. Male characters we desperately wish were real. Yeah. Hot, steamy, sensual historical romance books. Yes. Of course. Yeah. In sickness and in health, romance novels that deal with illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Starchy hero gets unstarched. Not starchy. Not no, starchy. Not no, not starchy. He's pretty like... He's rugged. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want her. I don't understand the title of this. He doesn't want uh, her. He acts like he doesn't want her, but you got to be more specific when you make these lists. Okay. <laughs> so off the list, because it's too confusing. Yeah, Fix too that vague. list up. Yeah. <laughs> too vague. Thank you, Kate. Hero self-control is put to the test by heroin. Yes. Sure. Yeah. All right, that's the Goodreads list. Good ones. Yay. Um, Kate, did you put together your tropes? I did. I mean, I did it like, because I didn't want to let you guys down. I didn't want to let Lisa down. I had to write down some tropes. Let's hear Uh, them. Okay, so my tropes, uh, number one is pining. Um, Number two is man suffering. (laughs) Okay, number three and number four are related. So number three is a trope that I would like to call vagina confusion, (laughs) which is when a heroine is like not clear on the workings of her body, which I think also happens in Cam and Amelia's book. But in this book, it happens too, where when Kevin Wynn first have sex, she's like very confused about what is happening her and she's like oh I better go get cleaned up and he has to like explain to her that no her body is actually just doing something natural oh yes I remember that yeah Yeah. (laughs) so I think that is like 
a somewhat common trope in uh, some of these historical romances. Okay, and then my next one is sex phobia, which is what Kev has in relation Mm -hmm. to when. Uh, Childhood sweethearts. uh, Kidnapping. Uh, Kidnapping, naturally. Um, And uh, found family. Nice. Those are mine. Nice. All right, Clayton. You have quite a list going, so I'm excited. I do. So I've loved you so long. Fresh scent of Pining Hero, Mm -hmm. which we love. Rom Hero, Close Family, Bad Doctor, (laughs) Bad Uncle... Because that was the uncle yeah. was who who had Kev and time oh, to yeah, fight. Yeah. yeah. Hero with great logistical skills, which we already <laughs> mentioned. Hero That's thinks good. he'll kill heroin with his doink. <laughs> <laughs> secret sibling, because Cam and Kev were oh, not good. so secret. Oh, good. That's good. Surprise inheritance. Uh, poisoning. And dancing ferret, which we didn't mention. Because when the ferret grabs the veil of poison, they're trying to chase after it, and he does a little celebratory dance. <laughs> right. So I, I've never seen a dancing ferret in any of the, the other romance He's going to be on your list for the next two books or the next yeah. three books. <laughs> yeah, Dodger don't quit. Was Do- <laughs> so was Dodger supposed to be like the breakout like the, the, all the kids love? They wanted like Dodger plushies and stuff that yeah. they would dance. You can I mean, have I would it love at the, at the amusement park, at the Clay Pass amusement park. Obviously, Dodger uh, stuffed animals will have to be a real oh, feature. Oh, yes. That's Dodger actually could great. be the one that like tells you where everything is. Like, <laughs> just go down the hill and then you're going to see Ramsey. <laughs> oh, that's we'd have people dressed like Dodger. Yeah. yeah. Like big, huge, like, like. No, that's terrifying. No, I don't want to see it. <laughs> well, you don't have to see it. I think the kids will love it. Okay. <laughs> it's a good Aaron, marketing idea. Doing? Yeah. Listen, we're really coming together. Like yeah. we said, we only need like a few hundred million dollars to get uh-huh. this off the ground. So Any yeah, angel investors happen. out there? Yeah, yeah. Just let us know. Um, mine were convalescence love because like he takes care of her. She takes care of him. There's a lot of one person being sick and the other person taking care. Tortured love. Uh, sudden grabbing kisses. That's the only thing Kev knows how to do. Yeah. Uh, Hero doesn't think he's worthy of the heroine. Hero thinks he will kill the heroine in parentheses with penis. Uh, bluebirds, because that's sort of a theme for a win. Oh, so uh, good. Yeah. I wrote down family stories, and I don't know what I meant, but there you go. Well, there's a lot of talking about family. Yeah. So, like, yeah. talking about, yeah, his, his past, Cam's past. So, yeah, there's a lot of family stories. Heroin gives ultimatum because she says, basically, if you're not going to be with me, then you need to let me go. Uh, Heroin seduces hero, giant hero, class differences, and childhood friends to lovers. Yeah. Great. Man, good job. Between the three of us, we really nailed it. We nailed (laughs) them all. All Um, all right. Awesome. So uh, I almost just called you Clay Pass. Uh, Kate. (laughs) God, that's too much. (laughs) I could never. Should I change my first name to Clay Pass? Clay Pass? Gumber? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a real I, tribute. Yeah, I hope she never listens. It's what Lisa deserves <laughs> she does. for all the joy she has brought us. Oh, absolutely. Um, but do you have a swoon for this week? I do, have a, I do have a swoon. So my swoon for you guys this week is a book called uh Fleischman is in Trouble by mm. one of my favorite writers Taffy Broadacer Ackner 
Do you guys do you guys read Taffy's work? Have you ever read anything? Yeah, like Taffy? I she just did a profile of Tom Hanks that I was obsessed with. Yes, yeah, so I love her and have followed her work for a long time. She has a lot of long form journalism and celebrity mm-hmm. profiles, and I think she is just an incredible writer. Um, and this is her first novel, and it is stunning, I would say. Um, it, it is really, um, it's sort of mean, which sounds weird, but it's mean and true and human. And it's about a marriage that has fallen apart, but just also about, uh, sort of life, messy life. Um, and I thought it was gorgeous and brilliant and I'm obsessed with it. So that is my swoon for this week. Awesome. Yeah. I definitely have wanted to read that so I will for sure pick it up good one all right Clayton you look like you're raring to go (laughs) no mine is just a lot less serious than that or I guess it's 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 an Instagram account (laughs) (laughs) oh I like that I'm gonna I'm gonna be ready to follow it's called uh movie premieres unlimited (laughs) oh gosh at it's an Instagram at night openings and what it is is a guy posts a bunch of Getty images from old premieres, movie premieres. So from oh mostly God. the eighties, nineties and early two thousands. And he doesn't always pick the stars of the movies, but like weird people who are at the premieres and it's endlessly scrollable when it's one of those things that you'll wake up in the morning and you don't want to like really do anything, but kind of <laughs> lie in bed for a couple more minutes it's a fun Instagram account to look at because then you can scroll through and he doesn't post the names of the people. So you have to kind of figure out who they are. And then you go in the comments and people are asking each other who these people are. <laughs> and it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's, 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 uh, I love movies and old movies and things like that in Hollywood. So it's a great account to take you back to those days if that's what you're into. So that yeah. sounds so fun. Wait, what's it called again? So it's called Movie Premieres Unlimited, but it's at night openings on uh, Instagram. We will put the uh, a link in the show notes, of course. Okay, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I always loved looking at people in premieres back then, too, before there were stylists. Yes. And you could tell different people had a different idea of how fancy this premiere was going to be. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh. like, and to- so totally some people, like, went to Macy's or yeah. whatever. Contempo casual or whatever it was. (laughs) And you see like the style of the early 2000s. Let's hope it never comes back. Although I have a fear that it's back. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. But yeah, that is probably that's probably the worst. Everything else, even 80s and 90s seems to have aged in a fun way. But 2000s, maybe it's just too close to me. It seems like it should never come back. Like, I don't want people wearing, like, Juicy Fruit t-shirts and stuff and, juicy like, track fruit? pants. Juicy Remember Fruit? When people Is that, used like, to wear, really like, low-rise jeans? Like, yeah. jeans? When those start coming back, I'm out. Yeah. You're just... I just them. can't. <laughs> I just can't do it again. I do love that you just said Juicy Fruit because they are just called Juicy. And Juicy Fruit is a kind no, of no, gum. No, no, Juicy Fruit shirts like that said, like, Juicy Fruit or Squirt on them. Remember oh. those shirts that people oh, would yeah. wear that had, like... It would say, like, Mr. Pip on it and stuff. I can't go back to those days. No, it was too hard. <laughs> that was a hard time for you. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. Erin, <laughs> what are you swooning about? I'm swooning about a podcast that I... What? Ours? 
Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> now this is going to be so awkward. Um, so it's a podcast that the, uh, WGA, which is the union for like screenwriters puts out called on writing. Um, and especially as we're going into award season, which is like, you know, really big for us. So Christmas, this is our Christmas season. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, but the, so they interview screenwriters, um, about their projects and their process and, uh, you know, it's really interesting. The woman who um, hosts it is a writer, so it really gets down into the weeds, and I just find it really, really interesting. I also love that the episodes are only like 25 to 30 minutes. They're like pretty quick, um, but you end up learning so much about um, writers, and I'm obsessed with like writer's process, and that's something I could like talk about and think about for forever, so just listening to like why oh. you did it this way or what like what does a day for you look like when you write and all those things I really really love so I think even if you're not necessarily into movies or screenwriting I can't imagine it but it probably happens um I think it is just really interesting just to hear creative people talk about their creative process so um I've been really enjoying that lately okay we did it Kate Thank you so we much. We did and, it. And we'd love to have you also on just to interview you straight up. And we could talk about your process and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be so much fun. If I'd come back to. anytime. Great. This you was guys are awesome. so fun. Aw, thank you. We loved having you on. We loved that we got to talk to you about the book that blooded you. What a, like, a nice kismet thing to have happen. Yes. Lisa, we love you. Yes. <laughs> Please don't ever listen to this podcast. <laughs> No, 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 no. (laughs) Truly my greatest fear. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I am so grateful. Can't wait to listen to this up and all the other ones about the Hathaways. Thank you, Kate. And so everybody also go by Love Lettering. It's out now. It's lovely. Then take a little walking tour of your neighborhood. Take pictures of letters. You know, really make it an experience for yourself. Yeah, Uh, why not? (laughs) Um, You can find me uh, mostly on Twitter at Kate Claiborne. um, But I am also often on Instagram at kateclaiborne.author. I have a Facebook page, but I would say I'm not there that often. But you can find me there as well. Great. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. You guys do a great job of it, and we really appreciate it. It's how people find us. Uh, if you want to email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com, just say hi, recommend books, anything. Uh, on Twitter, we're at Learning Tropes. On Instagram, we're at Learning the Tropes. Um, we have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, and then finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. And then next week, we don't even have to say, but just to say, we are reading Tempt Me at Twilight by Lisa Claypass, obviously. So go get that, read about Poppy and Harry, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Bye, guys.